0: Welcome to Beer Me A Movie, I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where we arbitrarily score a movie based on just a whole bunch of very, very, very scientifically chosen topics.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, you might say there's reason. Lots and lots of reasons. We put a lot of reasons into
0: beakers and shook them or whatever you do <laughs> for science. And what popped out was our scale that we score things on arbitrarily super scientific though it is the most scientific thing that's ever existed in the history of science uh, and if our unbelievably well calibrated score lines up with the rotten tomatoes critical score or audience score we got a drink and you so do you and so do you
1: yeah yeah you're sitting there listening and you're like oh they got it you got a drink it's
0: a team game baby
1: no lone wolves here <laughs> drink when they get it right happy spooky season buddy happy spooky season we're into it it is october
0: and you had the first pick of october and i have <laughs> sure a did. very good question for you
1: i probably don't have a very good answer why sometimes dave there's no reason <laughs> and he knocks it out of the park <laughs> <laughs> This week, for
0: the first week of spooky season of October, it's all horror movies this month, baby. We are talking Rubber from 2011 or 2010, depending who you ask. Written, directed, produced, all the things by Quentin de DePierre. DePierre. I can't give him a fucking. I can't do it. I kind of want to. I really don't. Uh... And it's not for him. I think he did a fine job. But when you look at a movie and you're like, 82 minutes, hell yeah. And then when it's happening, you look at the movie, you go, that's only 30. Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fair, I think. That It does feel longer than it is.
0: Have you ever seen this thing before?
1: Hell no. If I had, I might have chosen a different movie.
0: <laughs> Why did you pick this movie? And
1: I'm not upset you
0: picked this movie because I've wanted to watch this one since it came
1: out. Same. I've been wanting to watch this because I saw the trailers for it, and it looked like a super good time, which I think is kind of the point. You're thinking that this movie was all marketing? I think this movie is a commentary on audience expectations and delivering upon them, etc.
0: Sacre bleu! I'm going to build up all of these people with my killer
1: tire, but it's not that at all. Yeah, we got Frenched. We got French hard,
0: but we also so, kind of got like Italian at the same time too, because if you watch this thing and don't think a Fellini film, yeah, I don't yeah. know what to tell you there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to just get into it?
1: Yeah, I think we just have to
0: get into it. And I want to say before we get into it, I can't believe, A, that writer, Mick Strike was able to come up with a synopsis for this thing.
1: Had zero problems, actually.
0: And B, when we get to box office later i'm shocked
1: (laughs) yeah uh, there's an explanation behind that i'm sure without further ado we go to writer mcstreichley's words our story begins in a scorching california desert where a motley group of people has assembled for a most peculiar event to watch a quote-unquote film that right there
0: is what should turn a large number of people off Putting (laughs) quotes around the word film. This isn't a fucking Scorsese thing. (laughs) Or is it? It might be. (laughs) He can look at this and just be like, this might as well be wearing
1: tights and capes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the lack of tights and capes means it's automatically cinema. (laughs) I think that's what he does. (laughs) Nobody's wearing their underwear on the outside. That's cinema. Wow. All right. Uh, He's deeper than I thought. As the curtain rises on this cinematic circus, we meet Lieutenant Chad, played by Stephen Spinella, a lawman with a penchant for pontificating about the randomness of life.
0: It's a great monologue.
1: It is. He's our guide, our philosopher, and occasionally our comic relief.
0: He delivers this thing straight down the barrel of the camera.
1: Looking directly at us. And it is so
0: long and so poetic and so (laughs) wonderful That I got some Coen Brothers vibes from it in a weird way, but then it kept going, and I'd be like, the Coen Brothers would have cut by now.
1: (laughs) They know when to move on. (laughs) They do. (laughs) Chad, portrayed with deadpan perfection, reminds us that life is full of no reason. It's a tribute to those moments in cinema where you find yourself asking, why is that happening? The film they're about to witness is an homage to precisely that, no reason. That is a cop-out. Yeah. (laughs) Delivered by a cop, nonetheless. Exactly.
0: Like, when I saw him do that, and as the movie unfolded, and I kept reminding myself, like, no, there's no reason. There's no reason. Keep the idea of the movie in your head while you watch this thing. I started to boil a little bit from the inside. I don't
1: buy for a second that it's actually no reason.
0: I do and I don't, and I'll get why I do in a little bit.
1: As the audience settles in, an accountant, played by Jack Plotnick, which, what a name.
0: It is what a name. When you look at this
1: guy, he screams accountant. <laughs> he's, he's typecast as just dorky guy number one. He distributes binoculars, a quirky gesture, as if watching a movie on the big screen requires a closer look. Get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? Then, in a surreal <laughs> twist, he pedals off on a bicycle, leaving us to ponder the profundity of it all. Are we, though? I don't know. I love that. Red Rick Strickland doesn't mention this, but when this cop comes, arrives on the scene, there's just a bunch of chairs in the road, just randomly <laughs> placed. And he hits every single one of them intentionally. And- he
0: slaloms Lindsay Bond style <laughs> into these chairs. And my first thought was, that's wonderful. That is <laughs> yeah, such a wonderful. good sight gag. Such a good way to like, kind of set the tone for this movie until you realize, He did it for no reason.
1: (laughs) He did it for absolutely no reason. (laughs) The viewers, equipped with binoculars, gaze into the distance waiting for the film to commence. And commence it does in a way you'd never expect, with a tire named Robert spontaneously springing to life.
0: I legit got giddy when I saw this tire in the dirt start shaking. I go, here it goes. It's Coolio. It's the start of the Keenan and Kel program. Here we go.
1: Yeah, it starts spinning, and I'm like, all right, practical effects, good start, let's go.
0: This movie is full of practical effects, which is a little mind-blowing.
1: Robert, our rubbery protagonist, discovers he has psychokinetic powers, which he promptly uses to make animals and objects go kaboom. Talk about a tireless pursuit of fun. Wow, um...
0: I feel like if we were to get Ryder McStrike a Christmas present in this upcoming holiday season, it should be a Stretch Armstrong.
1: <laughs> I like tireless. That's a good pun. <laughs> Naturally, Robert's newfound talents lead to some peculiar mishaps. I love how we
0: kind of watch Robert develop his powers. First, we have to watch him learn how to roll. Learn how to roll. Yeah. And he does it, eventually. He falls over lots, he gets up lots, and
1: you're like, hell yeah, Robert, I'm cheering for you, and I can't figure <laughs> out why. Good job. I mean, there's something very charming about this tire. It rolls over a bug,
0: it makes it go squish, after it rolls yep. over a can and uh, makes that go squish, and he blows up a bottle, so he's learned his powers, he rolls over a scorpion, and he gets a taste for it, and he goes, I'm gonna go find more things to roll over and blow up. You need off. other
1: things to roll over and blow up. The bunny rabbit?
0: explodes that rabbit pretty good
1: he explodes it good
0: and i love later on in the movie the rabbit kind of comes back how you have (laughs) the people watching the movie the audience are going to eat it and one of them points out like you know it's fake right
1: (laughs) this is a movie it's not real
0: there's the little clever bits about this movie that i really enjoy
1: yeah yeah
0: there's a difference between being aware of the movie you're making and when you're in the movie, being aware of the movie that you're a part of, <laughs> but then there's a certain point where you literally become an inside-out person, where your insides are just fully on the outside. <laughs> You've gone too far. <laughs>
1: You've broken the second, third, and fourth wall. At this point,
0: there's no more walls, man. There's no th- more walls.
1: Sh- one wall. I'm
0: gonna break out of this crunchy baguette of a wall of a movie.
1: <laughs> yes, I see your Deadpool, and I raise you, Robert. <laughs>
0: Hey, what's the name of your tie? Didn't I just say it was Robert?
1: Robert. Robert. Oh, holy shit. I did not connect that at all.
0: I just have a connection with the French that a lot of people don't understand.
1: Sacre bleu. <laughs> <laughs> Sacre bleu. That's, that's your, almost your catchphrase at this point. Almost. Oh, is
0: that offensive to French people? You're French right in, even though I just said I have a deep connection with you.
1: my deep connection allows me to know that that joke is totally okay
0: it might be I don't know I don't know all I know is that I go around wearing a striped shirt with makeup on my face and a little hat and I don't like to talk a whole lot to people
1: I like smoking really long cigarettes and eating baguettes
0: really long bread yeah
1: everything is more phallic in France that's what they say that's right everything's phallic (laughs) in France just look at our Eiffel Tower
0: Blue, have you seen our Washington Monument? That thing's just a giant penis that sticks up in the middle of a lawn.
1: We made our giant penis look beautiful. Our giant penis lights up at night.
0: Our giant penis fucked the English for freedom.
1: <laughs> our giant penis is a symbol of love.
0: Our giant penis? Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> climbed up at once. That's history. <laughs> it's in the books.
1: Our giant penis was built by slaves. No? Is that That's bad? Sacre
0: blue. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Washington, that's a guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'd say it's one of those, like, let's play a game called who didn't own people.
1: You got to, like, skip pretty Ooh. far forward in history. <laughs> that's not good. It's not a good look. Robert spots a woman. Played by Roxanne Mesquita. It's probably not pronounced that way. Probably not, but it's fine. We'll never hear about her ever again. We're good. She's driving by and he decides to use his powers on her. He doesn't so much use it on her. He just kind of stalls the car out. Yeah, his skills are a bit rusty and all he manages to do is stall the car. That's still pretty good. Oh, well, Rome wasn't built in a day. Or in Robert's case, rolled in one.
0: Time out here for a second, because (laughs) I feel like Chi -Chi and would interject at the end of that.
1: <laughs> Yo, Rome was totally rolled in a day. Maybe not doing that accent anymore.
0: No, that's the right move. We're flirting with a really bad uh, line in this one. So. We sure are. <laughs> Why are you guys doing it? No reason.
1: <laughs> Absolutely no reason. Psst, there's secretly a reason.
0: You're not wrong. Everything in this movie has a reason. Everything.
1: Literally, Even- literally everything. <laughs> what if the reason is there's no reason? No, there's
0: one thing that doesn't have a reason. I'll get there. Okay. We can stop whispering. To, uh, time out on the whispering bit.
1: But here's where things take a sinister turn. Robert gets run over by a truck, and the woman escapes. Just when you think this movie has peaked in weirdness, it careens off a cliff. It hasn't peaked in weirdness! We're at 20 minutes in! <laughs>
0: Nothing's minutes happened!
1: In, and the tire has come to life. That's it. i blown up some stuff. All right. It's a little weird. It's very weird. Fine. The tire reanimates, kills the truck driver and goes in a murder spree. And we see some of it. Some it definitely kills that that truck driver and also a cleaning lady. Yep. (laughs) And only one of those is on screen. It's spree like, right? Is it though? Three to make a spree. I think that's the saying. It does rhyme. So it has to be true. Two won't do, three to make a spree. Did you just make that up now? I did. Yeah. That was lovely. That was off the dome. Actually, writer McStrikeley wrote it. Did he? <laughs> no. No, he didn't.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know what's real anymore. I'm a part of this show, damn it! I should know what's real. Meanwhile, back at the audience's desert rendezvous, things get even more bizarre. They're famished, and the accountant, seemingly unperturbed by their hunger, bestows upon them a poisoned turkey.
0: The turkey is terrific because he's in his hotel room. He's on the phone having another monologue to himself. And then he turns and there's just a turkey in his room. He goes and pulls <laughs> out a turkey a carving bag turkey. and then just presumably destroys this turkey in this hotel. And we don't see it happen. Yeah. But what I love about this so much is that when he comes out of the hotel room later to get on his bike to drive the now cooked turkey to the audience, you have the maid there. And she's like, do you want me to clean your room? And he goes, yeah, all right. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> <Like> he knows <laughs> what he's done in there, and I thought that was hysterical.
1: Yeah, that was very good. As the audience's insides churn, Lieutenant Chad suggests they head home, declaring the film is over. Randomly, leaves out a little bit here where all of the audience members die, all but one. Yeah, there is a twist. One audience member who uses a wheelchair, who's played by Wings Fucking Hauser.
0: What a name,
1: right? Yeah, I'm just giving the fucking to his
0: name. Like, in terms of strong names, man, is that up there.
1: Wings Hauser.
0: This is the scene that makes me think that Quentin Depeu is full of shit. (laughs) Quentin Depeu. He did an interview with Entertainment Weekly before this movie came out, and this is where he talked a lot about how about 80% of this movie is a puppet. Okay. A lot of it is also done with remote control. Like, you can see the tire isn't fully empty at all. So a lot of the rolling sequences are done by remote control, which is very impressive. They look gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's so well done.
0: It is so well done because it goes on for fucking forever. This is like a 30 minute movie. If you take out a lot of the rolling sequences. that's true. But he talks about in this interview, how there's a lot of interpretation that can go around, especially from the poison scene. He said, quote, obviously we could find a lot of interpretation in poison. Like, oh yeah, Hollywood is poisoning the audience. Think whatever you want. I just did it because I got bored with the characters. Okay, fuck them. Let's poison them.
1: Uh, I don't know if I believe that at all. I don't
0: know if I do either, but it made me realize that this is a gentleman who is just full of so much shit.
1: (laughs) I think he wants there to be a certain mystique around this movie. I don't think he wants anybody to understand what it actually is. Which
0: is why it's a bad Fellini movie.
1: (laughs) When you put it that way, yes. Yes, it (laughs) is. If you watch
0: eight and a half, and you have this audience that's fully aware, the audience being critical of the movie that the lead character in that is going to make to his face. And that happens directly in this movie (laughs) multiple times. It's almost Quentin Depew saying, man, fuck the audience. I'm going to make what I want to make. Also, I am unsure how to end it, and I'm only 40 minutes in. Uh, pull the ripcord, the French ripcord. I, I don't know what that looks like.
1: <laughs> the audience is gone. We can go home now. We don't have to make this stupid movie anymore. Actually, there's still one guy watching.
0: And now you have the people in this movie acting out what's happening in the movie for this one guy? For sort one of? dude.
1: Yeah, with the audience incapacitated, Chad goes back to the bizarre crime scene, leading a tire hunt like no other.
0: He pulls out the actual notes of the movie from within his shirt. And it says, the tire is the killer. And this is after he talks about how fake everything is that's going on. He gets shot multiple times. He tells one of his deputies to shoot him in the chest. And he goes, see, I'm (laughs) fine. It's all just a movie. He pulls the patch on the
1: police uniform. You're literally holding a stuffed alligator right now. And he is. And And he he is. is. Which
0: is the bizarre part about it. There are so many wonderful touches in this. Yeah. It's just so hard to look past the writer, director, producer, who's full of shit. (laughs) that's part of it it's fucking not (laughs) i don't think i've ever been this angry at a movie i liked because there's a difference here and if you want to go and talk about a fellini film or a bergman film they're not being pretentious for the sake of being pretentious that's true this movie is possibly the most pretentious movie i've ever seen in my life (laughs) and it's about a tire who comes to life and kills things with its tire mind
1: (laughs) his name is robert and i like it make sense of that yeah go figure so meanwhile the accountant attempts to off the wheelchair user with poison but ends up poisoning himself instead and you know Comedy ensues as he croaks dramatically, according to writer McStrikely, even though he's, like, revealing the details of how he murdered his brother. I don't know. It takes seven you know, minutes to die. Humor.
0: If he died in a proper cinematic way of being poisoned, his guts getting all bubbly, we could cut off solid five minutes there. <laughs> That's true. All right. It is pretty dramatic and a little
1: comedic. Yeah. A, a touch of comedy. A touch. Robert, our vengeful tire, encounters a bonfire of his fellow rubber brethren, and that sets off a killing spree that would make even Freddy Krueger flinch. For three days, he dispatches hapless victims, showcasing his tireless dedication to chaos.
0: Double down on tireless.
1: Double down on tireless. I, you know, I could have gone without the repeating of the joke, rhetoric strikely. Also, we don't see any of this three day killing spree. None of it. it None of to it at all. three days later, and it's just a lot of bodies.
0: It's kind of like, Sean of the Dead, if you will, where Sean wakes up drunk and the zombie apocalypse has happened. Exactly. (laughs) Like, we don't see any of it. Right.
1: We catch up to it, yeah, but still. Yeah, we are just in the aftermath. Lieutenant Chad finally lures the murderous tire into a trap using a mannequin as bait. But of course, things don't go as planned. Robert blows up the mannequin's head, but the dynamite fails to detonate. The whole thing becomes as anticlimactic as a bad punchline. Much to the audience's chagrin, which, again, is one dude.
0: It is the one guy they're doing this entire charade for at this point. But I also liked how the mannequin didn't detonate. Yeah. And my first thought was, all right, this is an interesting situation. I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. And where it goes is (laughs) Lieutenant Chad just walks into the house with a shotgun.
1: Yep. Enraged, he offloads his shotgun on Robert off-screen and the tire's remains are chucked at the nagging man in the wheelchair who can't resist berating Chad for the disappointing conclusion.
0: It's extremely on the nose, and I get where you're going with it, but
1: you haven't given us anything in this movie. Absolutely nothing. (laughs) Ah, but we're not done yet. In a twist that would give M. Night Shyamalan whiplash, Robert is reincarnated as a tricycle. His first order of business? Dispatch the wheelchair user in style. Revenge never tasted so rubbery. I don't
0: know what that means at all.
1: I don't either. I don't think he needed revenge on the audience, but... <laughs> nope, not at all. Writer deemed that a good enough thing to say. I
0: loved when this tricycle rolled out, and I went, hell
1: Yeah. Absolutely. The tires
0: reincarnate the spirit, that thing's in the tricycle. The tricycle starts doing that weird vibrating thing where you know it's about to blow someone up. It's awesome. And then there's ten minutes more of the movie.
1: <laughs> the film ends with Robert amassing an army of tires hell bent on conquering Hollywood. Yes, you heard that right. Tires on a rampage in Tinseltown.
0: And that's where the movie ends and where it leaves us. Story and motivation. <laughs> How about you just throw out a number? Because it does
1: not matter. Four. Done. <laughs> this movie honestly, just sort of I don't happens. know I have no idea what's intentional what's not what has reason what doesn't in theory it should all be intentional in theory yes well there's even a scene during the credits of it's the first opening scene again of Lieutenant Chad delivering his monologue but they reveal that he's not talking to the audience he's talking to nobody which is amazing
0: also yeah legitimately half of this movie is a tire silently rolling in a weird close up <laughs> <laughs> makes for a hell of a trailer and the close up don't get me wrong it's beautifully shot it's so well done but it goes on again for half of this movie
1: like i'm almost tempted to watch it again with a stopwatch and just time all How the much nothingness of it's that happens rolling i love that when it first starts learning to roll the kid who's in the audience with the binoculars is like, this is boring. (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, it is.
0: (laughs) It kind of reminds me of that old dreamcast game. Seaman.
1: I'm not familiar with that one.
0: With Leonard Nimoy doing the voice of the weird fish. And like, it's super realistic in terms of the time that it goes by. Like you got to heat the water at some points in order to keep the fish alive. If you don't, It'll kill itself or die or whatever. You have to restart the entire game. You can't fast forward the game to make it grow more. Eventually (laughs) it grows weird, creepy legs, goes out. And it's just the most sarcastic little fish Nimoy that's ever existed.
1: Of course it is.
0: And speaking of rolling, I'm going to get to... I'm
1: very curious where that's going.
0: Our first question from Facebook. We don't have many, but it just feels appropriate here. Okay. Uh, It is from Dave Novak, and he wants to know... Wed Bed Behead, songs about rolling... (laughs)
1: <laughs> he says
0: Fred Durst rolling, and that right there is offensive because there's a Biscuit that is limp behind that. There's more to that than just Fred Durst. Limp Biscuit rolling, Bob Dylan like a rolling stone, and Adele Ooh. rolling in the deep. Okay, okay.
1: I'm going to marry like a rolling stone. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm totally going to marry rolling in the deep. That song is awesome. See, now this is where things are going to get unpopular. <laughs> And I'm absolutely going to bed
0: <laughs> Limp Biscuit rolling. Yes. You know, I'd be loving that shit right here. L I M P, the biscuit is right
1: here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I- I'm 100% betting Limp Biscuit's rolling. You have to. And I'll even wear the Yankee hat for it. I don't care.
0: It's, it's just, it's more fun. So there you go, Dave. Thank you. Uh, also, <laughs> respect the biscuit, put some respect
1: on the biscuit.
0: That's not what goes on the biscuit.
1: No, it's not. We've what talked goes about on the a lit
0: biscuit. And if you weren't there for that episode, folks, Google you're it. You're welcome. <laughs> and don't be a coward on Incognito doing it.
1: Uh, that is as much of a hint as you're getting there. Do
0: you ever play a game with Incognito mode where like, you're a day later and you go to Google something and Incognito pops up right away and you go, What was I looking at? You have to like, try to remember? No, I am. Um... Oh, you live alone and don't have a family. That makes sense. All right.
1: <laughs> hey, we're still using Incognito. <laughs> So casting?
0: It's there. There are people in this movie.
1: There are people. They exist. They deliver lines in front of a camera.
0: It's fine. It's not great. I kind of like Ten Chad quite a bit. I think he does a really good job in that monologue to open this yeah, thing.
1: I agree. I'll with go that.
0: with a solid five. Right down five. that middle.
1: Yeah. It's it's a four with bonus points for casting an actual tire.
0: It's a good tire. He did a good job.
1: <laughs> Protagonist. The tire. Is it the tire? It's. Rydermick Strickley said it was. That's true. Rydermick Strickley did claim that the titular tire is the protagonist.
0: That sounds like a company we could begin instead of like Goodyear.
1: Titular tires.
0: Titular tires. What's that you say, Frenchie? I was too busy listening to my Washington Monument talk about our titty tires instead of your Michelins.
1: Titty tires. Where the Robert meets the road.
0: That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the tire, isn't it? Uh, He's sure. fine.
1: He comes to It's either to him or it's Chad, right?
0: He does his thing. He kills people off screen sometimes. He rolls a lot. He saves the day.
1: From what? From reason. All right, three. <laughs> three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, antagonist.
0: It's probably us, the audience. I I
1: think you're actually right about that.
0: I am going to go with two because Quentin Depew is, once again, the most full of shit filmmaker I've seen in a long, (laughs) long time. And you know what? The thing about Quentin Depew is that he's probably one of those guys who has a Google Alert set for him. Probably. So if this pops up, he's going to be like blue so I can't wait to hear that. I am not full of caca. I'm
1: not. I am not. I am a serious filmmaker and a techno musician. I am full of wee-wee, oui oui, if nothing else. <laughs> Meaning, yes, yes, I'm full of yes, yes. That
0: joke was almost too easy for you.
1: Yeah, he's full of shit. Um, I don't know what it was again, but two. I think that's, that's part of the, the mystique of the movie. He wants people to go in knowing nothing. But then he tells them that things are happening
0: for, I know we're not talking about director yet, we will, but he tells the audience, literally nothing that you see going forward is going to have a reason to it.
1: Yeah, but that's by, that's being delivered by somebody who is acting within the performance. But we have to buy what the actor is saying
0: within the performance because he's the one who's establishing the rules. Do we though? We sort of do, or else what's the point of any of it? The reasons. Who bestanks
1: the reason? There it is. The reason is you, Brian, and you are a two. (laughs) A two for antagonists. That's fine. Screenplay.
0: I want to give a nice one-point bump to that monologue at the beginning, because it is really well done. It's really well written. I appreciate the Fellini nods throughout the entire thing, which is nice. Overall, it's fine. There's literally nothing to quote except no reason.
1: That's true. Dad, my stomach hurts. That's like... Half the movie right there. It is half the the movie.
0: You you quoted it. Good job. Three. (laughs) Three.
1: Well, you are being hard on this movie that you liked.
0: I know. Weird,
1: right? Style and tone. That's a tricky one. Yeah.
0: Because the movie looks great.
1: It looks fantastic.
0: But it goes on for so long.
1: The longest 82 minutes of your life.
0: Like Roger Deakins is the master at setting up shots and making things look amazing. Yeah. These shots are sort of on par with some of the stuff that a Deacons could pull off. Again, the difference is the editor knowing what they're doing. That's true. It's great to have shots that look pretty, but for fuck's sake, no one to get out.
1: <laughs> we can only watch a tire learn to roll for so long.
0: I want to go with a seven.
1: Okay. That's been on the high side,
0: because I think it looks great, but, and it could have been higher if... They hired I think, an editor.
1: I think totally only one person knows what the tone of this movie was supposed to be, and that is the writer, director, producer, and music guy.
0: I'm surprised he didn't claim that he was the tire at some point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Robert, played by Quentin Dupuis. <laughs> uh, music, the score was done by Gaspard Auguet and Mr. Oizo, which is a pseudonym for Quentin Dupuis. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's a... Some sort of techno musician type fella. And he got the inspiration for this when he did a Levi's ad with a puppet called Flat Eric. Oh, I remember Flat Eric. That wow. is Quentin DeFew. Okay. And he openly said in, again, this EW interview that he does have the three tires that were used in this movie. And he doesn't give a shit about them. But he loves Flat <laughs> Eric because he's cute.
1: Flat Eric is cute.
0: <laughs> the music's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. I'll go five, right down the middle again.
1: I love it. Let's actually talk about Quentin DePew, the director of this film.
0: Pretentious for pretentious sake.
1: I, I'm still struggling with how much of it is intentional, though. I think he wants it to feel like
0: he doesn't give a shit most of the time. And especially in like the CW interview, when he talks about, yeah, I do not know what to do with the audience. so I just poisoned him.
1: <sighs> that feels like such a cop out. It does feel like a cop-out, but the whole movie is a cop-out by design. I don't know. I find it hard to believe that it opens with this monologue about there being no meaning, and then there actually being no meaning the whole time, and then also coming back to that monologue at the end and showing that he's not even talking to anybody.
0: No, but then he also has the tires
1: facing the Hollywood sign at the end of it. So
0: he's clearly trying to have a go-home message of some sort.
1: Oh, yeah. the Actually, I found a, a pretty decent review on Reddit, and the username, I would love to give them credit, but it was just a jumble of letters that I'm not even going to attempt. The film is not an allegory, but it's going to be a huge meta-narrative exercise. The film is mostly about itself. How does suspense work? How does the storyteller interact with the audience? Why does the audience have expectations, and how do they manage having them met or disappointed? Or is it just a film about a tire that enjoys killing? I can see it going either way, and that's okay. It's too pretentious for me to be about nothing, actually. And
0: there you go. So, Quentin Depew, I think that you went in with good intentions and you came out looking like a complete dickhead. But we are <laughs> 13 years yeah. down the road and people know this movie. That's true, despite almost none having seen it. Right. And Dalton Souter wrote in, he said that, oh man, this movie's a ride. Quote, no fucking reason.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a ride, but at what cost, really? <laughs> at what cost? Yeah. It's a difficult movie to enjoy, even though I still think I do. I texted you around 10 minutes into this and said, is this a fucking art movie? <laughs> <laughs> right? And it exactly is that. 100%. And that's not what I expected at all, but I think that's part of it. It's going the, completely against expectations. trailers and everything, is, it's all a commentary on film itself and audience interaction are we talking director still yeah we're still talking director
0: i want to go six
1: six feels safe i like i it.
0: want to give him the respect that i think he needs <laughs> that
1: he's jonesing <laughs> Not for
0: so much deserves but needs <laughs> but he does do something interesting and that says something
1: it definitely sparks conversation if nothing else
0: no nothing else you're right that's the <laughs> perfect way to talk about that <laughs>
1: Next up is box office. Um, This movie costs somewhere between $500,000 and $800,000 to make.
0: Not an expensive movie at all. No, All All the money's on screen that you see. I mean, it's such a simply shot film that it's really impressive that they did what they did for as little as they did it for.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. That said, this movie made no
0: money? Yeah, that's the surprising (laughs) thing for a lot of people knowing this movie.
1: Uh opening weekend in the US it only opened in five theaters. So I mean that that's not gonna matter at all. It was like sixty eighth in the box office its opening week. But it only ended up making worldwide a hundred and one thousand dollars. Major bomb. Yeah, like even if you're going on the low end of the estimated budget, it didn't even make twenty percent.
0: No, it didn't. And yet you could watch this thing on HBO Max right now if you wanted to. I don't understand how it's there.
1: <laughs> I don't either. But <laughs> There you go. Uh, That on our scale is a zero, which I don't know that we've ever actually given out a zero before. I don't think we have.
0: And we have talked about Jack and Jill.
1: And only the strong. And movies that people just do not know. Oh. John Carter. John Carter got a zero.
0: Yeah, that'll do it.
1: (laughs) And the final category is impact on the industry.
0: I keep saying people know this movie. And I think they know it as the Killer Tire movie, and it is not that.
1: No, people are familiar with the trailer for this movie, and that's about as far as it extends.
0: I don't think there is an impact on the industry. or It's not a significant
1: one. Yeah, I agree with that. I can't really think of
0: any movies that got spawned because of something like this. Sure, I think it's a really cool exercise that he tried doing. I think... You can kind of make an art. Nah, that's a bad one to even make. I was going to say, like, some of the A24 stuff that's come out, you might have a chance at making an argument for. but Maybe, even Maybe,
1: but even that's that's a stretch.
0: It's not even so much a hat on a hat at that point. It's a pretension on pretension.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody that's doing work for A24 right now is like, yeah, I was inspired by Quentin Depew. Actually, the only thing more pretentious than being Quentin Depew is listing him as an inspiration. I'm
0: going to go with a one. Yeah. I don't want it to mean nothing.
1: I, it's not nothing, but it's very, very low. That is going to give Rubber a total score of 36.
0: All right, we're totally safe. So Rotten Tomatoes on the critical side, this thing got a 6-7%. On the audience side, it got a 46%. I feel like those are kind of appropriate. Yeah,
1: I can definitely see why. I liked it,
0: even though it pissed me off a lot. But <laughs> Same. I watched thing last night, I haven't stopped thinking about it yet.
1: Same, I've not been able to stop thinking about what was intentional, what was just being a, a film nerd jerk-off. There's a lot to be discussed with this movie, despite it being so insignificant.
0: That's a very, very good way of putting it. Brian, that's a really interesting pick to open this month. <laughs> good job. It
1: sure is. But now it's your turn to be us a awesome movie. It
0: is my turn, and we're going to get away from all this mumbo jumbo film nerd bullshit. That's kind of where I like to live <laughs> a lot. It wasn't of my intent.
1: <laughs> I just wanted a fun movie with a tire that kills people. Well, I'm going to
0: give you a fun movie and I'm going to give you a little bit more of a mainstream movie. Okay. But not much more. <laughs> I do want some vampos in there because it is the spooky season. Ooh. And more importantly, I want to get some Corys going. <gasps> So we're going to be talking about 1987's The Lost Boys.
1: Oh, I'm very excited. Sprinkle in some greased up saxophone players and we've got ourselves a movie. Oh, yeah,
0: (laughs) we do. Uh, I watched it last week for the first time ever and said, I need to talk about that with somebody.
1: Yes. And it seems appropriate appropriate reaction (laughs)
0: that this is the place to do it. Next week, The Lost Boys.
1: until then thank you guys for listening be sure to rate review subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platforms send us your movie suggestions for for this month for october's spooky listener pick we're keeping everybody's regular picks on note and we're filling out your spooky picks if you already had spooky picks they've already been brought over but you know feel free to send us a message and pick a new scary movie if you want and then at the end of october we'll revert right back to your old picks easy enough Join us on Patreon this month for another bracket about conversations that are terrible I to have. Don't want to have. I can't wait for it. <laughs> it's going to be so conversations. much fun. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. You can email your movie picks and questions and comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media at Movie on everything except for Twitter, where you have to slap a pod at the end of that. Um, if you can't remember that, just go to linktree.com slash movie where you can find links to all of our stuff. Most importantly, get on our Facebook, because that is where you have the best chance of interacting with the show. We put up a post every week when we record, and if you interact with that and ask a question, leave a comment, it's like 90% sure it's going to get read on the air. It's higher
0: than 90 usually. (laughs) I've already read a couple. We got one more from Jeff Miners. He said, speaking of the French, do you guys prefer creme brulee or escargot? And now, Brian, I'm going to one-up this, because that's that's an easy, easy Easy one to answer. Do you like snails or delicious dessert? How about this? Which do you like saying more? Which has a better Ooh. French mouthfeel?
1: Oh, let me try this out. Escargot. I didn't even say it French like creme brulee. Oh, it's definitely creme brulee. That was like
0: very Bulgarian the way you said that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think both of them.
0: A little were. too angry?
1: The creme brulee. I
0: can't do <laughs> what? French. Keenan Thompson can't either, but he made a living out of it and all that. <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> creme brulee. It's creme brulee. What kind of question is that, Jack? The answer will always be creme brulee. My God. It has its own torch. You have to buy a specific torch to make it. You don't have to do that with snails.
0: I don't know why when you said you have to bring your own torch to make it, my first thought was like, what if Bob Vila owned a restaurant? <laughs> I don't know why that man is so prevalent on my mind most times. Bob Vela here for this old pub. <laughs> It'll be so good watching him try to do some sort of, like, restaurant impossible on his own, though. <laughs> right. It's he's going to make it Bob look Villa. great. His POS station is going to be a goddamn nightmare. And he's going to be serving drinks that are way too watered down and way too slow out there. So we're going to get some John Taffer coming in, too. It's a whole crossover, baby.
1: <laughs> uh, 100% would watch. One million percent would watch. That's that's Wood with uh, two O's, not an O U L.
0: Everybody, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Get your spooky season picks in for the end of the month. Brian, you got anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week for the Lost Boys. See you then.